episode number 35. Welcome to the Getting Unstuck podcast, where you'll laugh, empathize, and learn how to turn your stuck spots into sources for energy and positive change. And now your host, the creator of the Stuck Method, Shira Taylor Gura. Hello, my dear listeners, and thank you so much for joining me today. So I am just four days shy of the end of my crowdfunding campaign to bring a CD of gentle Hebrew music to the world. And by the grace of many of you and friends and family and many supporters of the Stuck Method in the world, I am proud to announce that I am, as of today, 98% there. I am just a bit shy of reaching my goal, and I am confident that by the time the campaign ends in a few days, I will have reached my goal. It has been quite a ride, my friends. This crowdfunding campaign has brought up a lot of emotions for me, as you probably know if you've been listening to the past few episodes. And I just wanted to acknowledge that I would not have been able to get to the place where I am today if I were alone. In addition to those who contributed to the CD, the musicians, the producer, and the backup singers, it was thanks to all of the people, those who contributed $10, to receive the digital album, and those who contributed much more, and of course, by the grace of God, that I was able to arrive to this place. I did not do this alone. This was a group effort. It really was. By the way, if you still have not ordered a CD and all of a sudden you're having second thoughts and you're thinking, yes, you know what, I think I do want to order that CD, Even when the campaign is over, you can still order the CD by going over to my website, thestuckmethod.com. And I have a feeling that this episode might come out a little bit longer than my usual ones, so I'm not going to post any more clips from the CD, but if you would like to hear some of the sample clips, you can go over to the campaign page or to my website. And they are all there. And by the way, they're also on my Facebook page, The Stuck Method. Okay, I also want to take a moment and just share with you an iTunes review that came in recently by someone I do not know named Yael Talia. And she wrote, Shira speaks with clarity, honesty, and from the heart. She is very authentic and real sharing her daily struggles through stories in order to demonstrate how she uses the stuck method. Thank you, Shira, for sharing your gifts with the world. Well, thank you, Yael Talia. I am so appreciative that you took the time to write that review, truly. And it really is in alignment with what I was just mentioning. I am not doing this podcast alone, I mean, I am, but I'm not. That is, without an audience, I would really have no podcast. And each and every single one of you are a part of this getting unstuck journey that 
we're really on together. We are all a part of this. We are all connected in that way. And I am grateful to you for being committed listeners. And I'm grateful to you for sharing this podcast with people that you know and love. And I'm grateful to you for getting in touch with me, whether it's via the iTunes review or emailing me. That is what this work is all about. And at least that's how I see it. How we are all interconnected with one another, whether we realize it or not. And we all influence each other. And together we can change ourselves and grow. And by doing so, change and really impact the world. And this leads me into today's episode. So every seven episodes, I take a break from sharing a story. Because as you know, taking stops is super important to me. And beyond important, I see stops as invaluable to our emotional and mental and even our physical well-being. And to model that, I take breaks every seven episodes. Even though I have more stories to share with you, and sometimes I get anxious to share them when I have them ready, and I just catch myself in that place of being stuck on desire, and I commit to taking a stop, knowing that there will be opportunities the following week or the following month to share my stories. I know full well that getting stuck on desire to share story after story without taking any breaks isn't necessarily going to lead me to a place of satisfaction or happiness. Taking a break, getting a fresh perspective, slowing down, breathing, being in the present moment, enjoying the moment, will. Anyway, so on this topic of it takes a village, I wanted to pause from sharing a story with you today and kind of take you on a short journey to learn how the stuck method came to be and who influenced me in my life and who is continuing to inspire me with this work and how truly all of this came to be, not because I live alone in this world, but because, again, I'm simply connected with people who came before me. So I guess I can actually go all the way back to when I was probably 16 years old, and I was browsing through a bookstore. I think it was Barnes & Noble in Marlton, New Jersey, and I found a book called Why Zebras Don't Get Ulcers. I think that's the name of it. It's a great title, and it was a great book. In fact, I have carried that book with me ever since I bought it. And I still have it on my bookshelf, which really says a lot because I actually do my best not to save books. I only save books that I know I'm going to read again or I'm going to pass on to my children. And this particular book really affected me. It was basically the first time I learned about human physiology and the concept of stress, and how animals tend to deal with stress on an acute level, like a lion is chasing a zebra, the zebra runs away, and the stress disappears. Whereas humans experience stress in a much different way, more chronic, like, can you believe what he said to me? And then you know, like you hold on to that story for like 50 years, right? 
and you don't speak to that person and it destroys families and relationships and marriages, right? Animals don't do that. Humans do. And so my world kind of opened up at that point because I was only a high school student at the time when I read this book. And by the way, it wasn't required reading from the high school. It was something I just found on my own. And from that point on, I started to become really curious about the human experience and how humans tend to suffer unnecessarily. So then I went on to study psychology at college. And during graduate school, I decided to take a yoga class, totally on a whim, just because. And I walked into that class knowing absolutely nothing about yoga. This was like 20 years ago already. So I knew like nothing. I had never seen a yoga studio before. I didn't know anything about yoga clothes or what a yoga mat was even. Okay, like I knew nothing. And I walked into this class with no expectations. And I walked out feeling like jelly. It was the most eye-opening experience of my life at that time. And what I learned from that 90-minute class was how much stress I was holding in my body without even realizing it. I walked out of that class feeling loose and relaxed physically and emotionally and mentally and wondering, why was I not feeling like that all of the time? And that experience led me to continued studies of yoga, which ultimately led me to take a certification course to become a yoga instructor, which I now have been for the last 20 years. During those graduate school years, I had another big realization in my life, which was the belief that the food slash eating issue that so many people in our society are dealing with today has little or nothing to do with the food they are eating and has almost everything to do with their emotional and mental states when they are eating. So basically what happened was I was at a family event and by chance I started observing a family member who was eating incredibly slowly and incredibly mindfully. But of course, at the time, I didn't know the word mindful. But I was just dumbfounded by watching her and her deliberate way of eating. And as I looked around and observed the other people that were there, maybe there were like 20 or 30 people there, I didn't see anyone else eating like that. And I started to become really curious about how I ate. And I realized that I was eating just like everybody else there, like without any intention, not being present, not eating slowly or anything like that. And that experience led me down a really interesting path towards studying mindful eating and ultimately becoming a mindful eating workshop facilitator for about 10 years. I don't want to go too much into this, but what I basically taught in my workshops was that I didn't care what people brought to eat to those workshops because part of the sessions actually, believe it or not, was practicing to eat, right? Practicing how to learn how to eat mindfully. And we did that together. But what I emphasized was that 
I didn't care what they brought. If they wanted to bring in a piece of chocolate cake, so that was great. But what I emphasized was the how, how they were eating. And I emphasized the importance and the value of of basically being mindful when you eat. Like not eating from a place of stress or tiredness or anger or frustration or guilt or any other emotion that many of us tend to eat from. And of course, when you learn how to eat mindfully, it affects you emotionally, but it affects your body. Your body naturally is influenced by how you eat and not necessarily what you eat. Now, I still didn't have a method at that point. I was just basically working with the concept of mindfulness. I started reading a lot on that topic. And the person who influenced me the most at the time was someone named John Kabat-Zinn. So John Kabat-Zinn is a professor of medicine, not anymore. Now it's, um, he's a professor emeritus, but he was at the University of Massachusetts Medical School. He was a student of Buddhist teachers. And basically what he did was he integrated what he learned from his Buddhist teachers with scientific findings. He was really the first person who brought the concept of mindfulness to the West and basically proved over dozens and dozens and dozens of scientific articles how mindfulness can help people cope with stress and anxiety and pain and illness. And he created a stress reduction program. He called it MBSR, Mindfulness Based Stress Reduction, which you can still, by the way, to this day, find in every part of the United States. I believe it's an eight-week program, and it's offered by medical centers and hospitals for the layperson. Anyway, so I read like every book that John Kabat-Zinn wrote, and he wrote a lot of books. I was very, very, very influenced by this topic of mindfulness, which in the stuck language is the stop. That's really what the stop is, right? It's learning how to slow down, how to reduce the tendency to automatically react, and rather be present, which most of us don't do. We don't live in the present moment. We usually live in the past or we live in the future. And although I didn't do any formal training with John Kabat-Zinn, it was through his teachings and his books and his videos on YouTube that I started to pick up meditation on my own, in my own life. And I tried to make it into a consistent practice every morning. And I started this when my kids were just babies. So you could say it wasn't necessarily the easiest time to start meditating, But of course, what I realized is when I did it, I noticed how it positively affected me and how I felt and how I parented and how I related to my husband. And it was through John Kabat-Zinn that I started to read a little bit more about Buddhism. I didn't get very deep into the study of Buddhism, and I can't claim that I know so much of it. But what impressed me the most was the concept of the Four Noble Truths, which is the basic orientation of Buddhism. And those truths are, one, all humans suffer. 
Two, there is a reason why all humans suffer. Three, we can be free of suffering. And four, there is a way. So you can probably see how this influenced my work with creating the stuck method. In all of my workshops and my talks and my retreats, I speak about how getting unstuck is a universal tendency. It happens to all humans, right? So that's the first noble truth, all humans suffer. And I talk about the reason that we get stuck is because we attach ourselves to our stories, right? Our thoughts and our emotions. And that relates to the second noble truth, which is there is a reason that we suffer. And I speak about how we don't have to stay stuck, right? We don't have to. We can choose other way. We can choose otherwise. And that relates to the third noble truth, that we can be free of suffering. And of course, I teach that there is a way. And of course, my way is the stuck method. That is the tool that I use to help people be free from suffering. In the four noble truths, the tool is the eightfold path, which is something I won't go into now because it's not something that I teach or I practice. By the way, compassion is another underlying piece in the Buddhist practice. In fact, my first yoga teacher when I lived in Boston oftentimes led us in a loving kindness meditation, which I won't go into now, but basically it has an element of learning how to be self-compassionate and loving towards yourself so that you can be compassionate and loving towards others. And this is the K step in the stuck method, the OK, the reminding yourself that getting stuck happens and that it's okay and that you're okay each and every time. So in 2009, I moved to Israel with my husband and three kids. At the time, we had another baby once we moved here. And I started attending a weekly women's group in my community. It was lay-led, and each week, someone else brought a theme or a topic that we explored together. So in one of those sessions, one of the women brought in a worksheet by someone named Byron Katie, who at that time I had never heard it before. So Byron Katie is a speaker and an author and is probably one of the best known self-help authorities in the world today. I had never heard of her until that evening. And what I learned about her is that she has this organization called The Work. And it's basically an organization that is based on her method of self-inquiry. What she is mostly known for is her method of the four questions. Okay, so let me tell you what those four questions are. One, is it true? Two, can you absolutely know for sure that it's true? Three, how do you react? What happens when you believe that it's true? Four, who would you be without that thought? It's very simple, those questions, super simple. But what she does is she invites people to the microphone and they share their stories. And then she goes through these questions with them. 
And basically, she gets them unstuck because she helps them realize that they can't be absolutely sure most of the time that their thoughts are 100% true. And so I learned about this that evening, and it was the first time I had ever experienced this topic of self-inquiry. And it was really powerful. I had never, up until that point, checked in with my thoughts, really, like ever, ever, ever. It never dawned on me that why I would want to do that. And then I started doing that after that evening because the exercises that we did and the stories that I brought to that evening really helped me realize how limiting my thoughts were. So you can see how the work I learned from that evening ended up in my method, which is the you, the uncover. When we uncover our thoughts and we ask ourselves if it's 100% accurate, that's what she does. That's what I learned from Byron Katie. But I do it in a different way with different language and with a different method. So during this same time when I was living, when I just moved to Israel, I had a family member who was going through a really tough time and started studying the MBSR class that I was just mentioning before that John Kabat-Zinn had created. And she was transformed by the experience. I was already blogging about stuck stuff, but I hadn't yet come up with a method. And at one point, she shared with me the model that she learned from her teacher. It was an acronym, and I can't remember the name of it, and I can't remember the words that were in it. But I remember how it beautifully brought together the mindfulness that I learned from Don Kabat-Zinn and the self-inquiry that I had learned from Byron Katie and other psychological theories that I had learned in school. And it was then that I thought to myself that, that I should just create my own model. I had all these wonderful theories and practices and experiences to help me get unstuck in my life. Why not put it all together in an simple package, something easy to remember, a step-by-step that would work for me. And that's how I came up with stuck, because I was already using the language stuck. I was already blogging at the website, which doesn't exist anymore, but it was called Stuck in the Muck 365. So it was just a matter of finding the right words to go with the acronym S-T-U-C-K. And what I liked about the method, and what I still love today, is that it's not just about mindfulness. It's not just about stopping and noticing, which is huge and important, but it, it's not just about that. There's something more actionable involved. There's the T-step, which is really allowing yourself to feel your feelings, which I learned about in my psychology courses in college and how many of us typically do things in our lives so that we don't have to feel our feelings. We typically avoid feeling them, and we run to other things to soothe ourselves and feel better. But it's really when we allow ourselves to feel our feelings that we can really begin the healing process. And of course, there's the consideration piece, which is an action piece. In psychology, it's called reframing. And this is also very much related to the cognitive behavioral therapy that I learned about in my psychology courses, where you learn that when you change your thoughts, 
you can change your actions and then you can change your reality. So the stuck method is also very much based on that. So you can see that there was so much wisdom that came before me that led to what is now known as the stuck method. I didn't create it myself. I am simply standing on the shoulders of giants and continuing to teach the wisdom that I learned from them. I created the acronym. Yes, I will take credit for that. But all of the wisdom that lives in the acronym is something that came before me. It's nothing new under the sun. And I'm continuing to be inspired up until today. The stuck method is not a static model. It's a growing and thriving thing. I am continuing to grow myself and learn and be inspired and then bring all of what I learn in my world to you, my listeners, and to those who work with me. It's a beautiful, beautiful process. So for instance, I'm reading a book now called Living in the Now by Gina Lake. And much of what she writes very much aligns with me. And then I share that with those who work with me. Or for example, the life coach, Brooke Castillo, was someone I was introduced to about a year ago after I finished writing my book, after my book was published. And she has her own model. It's similar to Stuck, but she presents it in a different way. And it's really the same kind of thing. And yet I learn from her and I grow with her. And then I share some of the wisdom that I learn from her to you. Eckhart Tolle is someone who's next on my reading list to be inspired by and learn from. I truly believe more or less, we are all teaching the same thing when it comes down to it. It's all about consciousness and the awareness of how we live our lives and how we can be more intentional and deliberate with our actions and our words and how when we do that, we ultimately get unstuck and learn how to flow in life or flow with consciousness or flow with God or however you want to call that. Take a moment and think about who you are in this world. You are not who you are because you are alone in this world. You are who you are because of the experiences you've had and the people that you've met or lived with, your teachers and the leaders that you look up to. We are all interrelated and all interconnected. We all influence each other. I truly believe that. I truly believe that a simple prayer that leaves my lips can be felt somewhere across the world. I truly, truly believe that. I am not living my life in a vacuum and neither are you. And it's truly the same, by the way, with the CD that I created. It took a village to get where I am today between the producer and the backup singers and the musicians and all the people Every single person who contributed to my campaign, believe me, it took a village. I did not do this on my own. And I think it's important for all of us to realize and recognize the villages in our lives that sustain us. And those villages could be people in your life. It could also be books, 
people maybe that you don't even know, but that you look up to, or podcasts that you listen to, or classes that you attend. Someone in your village could be a therapist or even a coach. All of those people and all of those things help you to be the greatest you that you can be in this world. And we can't take them lightly. They are all important and they all play a huge role in how you choose to live your life. Okay, my dear friends, I will be broadcasting one more episode in 2017, and it's going to be dedicated to the concept of visioning. And as we head into 2018, I want to share with you the power of visioning and how it can hugely change your path in life. I really look forward to sharing that with you and what will be happening in the Getting Unstuck world in 2018. Lots of exciting things, so please stay tuned. And until next time, I look forward to getting unstuck with you. Thank you for tuning into this episode of the Getting Unstuck podcast. For more information on programs, workshops, and retreats, check out our website, www.thestuckmethod.com.